0: morning. This morning's reading is from Mark 1, 1 through 13. John the Baptist prepares the way. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of Jesus in those days came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The temptation of Jesus, the Spirit, immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with wild animals and angels who were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Told to move this back a little bit. All right. Sorry, Michael. All right. Well, good morning. Um, now that I'm blinded by the light here. Um, it 's good to be with you uh, let's let 's go before our lord in prayer let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us to um, see your word uh, to understand it to be able to behold Jesus in all of your scriptures and in this one specifically help us, Father, uh, as this light is shining on me right now that uh, that would be our uh, our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds um, that would be lit up. Um, from your word, uh, by your glorious gospel, by good news, that you would fill our hearts uh, with this news that we can't keep it within and that it cannot be contained within us, that it spills out over into others in our communities and in this city. Would that happen, Father? It would be amazing to see. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, so today's the, the beginning, uh, the start of a new year. Uh, which is exciting, and, uh, and we're also starting a new series uh, in the Gospel of Mark. Um, that brings all kinds of fun. Uh, it's brand new. And so um, I, I'm just going to preface it with I'm not doing much uh, background work uh, in terms of I'm not going to state all kinds of uh, all the, you know, the time and the place and the date and the all those like little details. We're not getting into that. I encourage you to pick up a study Bible. Uh, or um, uh, you can get any commentary, read the introduction, and you'll get a lot of fun facts. Uh, uh, but uh, suffice it to say, all you really need to know is that this gospel was written to a non-Jewish audience. Hey, we're a non-Jewish audience, and uh, so that's good, so we can understand it. And um, uh, he wanted to tell us, uh, them and us, uh, the story of what Jesus has done. That's all we really need to know right now, okay? Um, all tons of details will start coming out as we're going through this. So, um, so uh, w- when my, my wife and I uh, first started dating, so this is like back in the day, so when we first started dating, uh, I used to ask her a question. Uh, no, it was not the question. I eventually popped the question, right? So it wasn't the question, but I used to ask her a simple question. I'd ask other people a simple question too, uh, and the, uh, so I'd turn at her and go, Gina. What is the gospel? This is the question I'd ask. What is the gospel? Now, when I asked this question, um, people would always respond. uh, There would be a lot of different answers. Uh, Usually, there would be like a partial truth to the, you know, I was looking for a lot more than what I was given. I was only given a little sliver. I was expecting a lot more. Um, But one common response that I got to that question, what is the gospel, was, uh, you mean like the gospel of Matthew? That's that was a, that was a typical one, right? So there are four gospels, right? Big G, four gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so I think often what people think, we say, "What is the gospel?" They're going, "Oh, well, you you mean like the gospel, like the the book?" I'm like, no, 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 little G. What is the gospel? Not what's a gospel, right? Genre, um, one of the you know books that's delivering and 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 telling us the message. But what is that message? What is the gospel? Um, and so. For the next few months, we're going to be unpacking that, at least the very beginnings of it, up to, like, chapter 5 or 6, hopefully we'll get to. Um, and and we'll be, begin to really get the beginning of that gospel. And it's going to take the entire gospel of Mark, right, the genre, to even understand, like, the fullness of this gospel, of, of what all of this entails, what all of it means, practically how it affects us. Um, so... The shortest way that we could summarize it, though, is how Mark summarizes it in Mark verse 1. It says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus, the Son of God. Um, it would probably better read, the beginning, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ. That, it, that's how, it, really, we should be reading that. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus. Because the gospel is all about Jesus. As I want you to get that. The gospel is all about Jesus. Um, what is the gospel? It's about what God has done in his son Jesus to save his people from their sins, to deliver them from Egypt, to save them from uh, the, the, the fall that Adam plunged us into. All of that is what the gospel is. Um, it's not good advice. It's, uh, it's good news. It's an announcement. And so this gospel is all about Jesus, uh, but everything about him also ties in and has to do and relates and impacts and affects all of us. And so, um, you have a place in this story, in this gospel, big G. Right? We, we all have a place, whether, whether we want to or not, whether we like it or not, whether we're interested or not, we actually have a place in it. Um, we're all in this. And so if you want to be in the story uh, supporting the the main character, Jesus, right? The gospel is all about Jesus. If you want to be in that story supporting that main actor, that main character, Jesus, um, or if you already are, uh, today I I just want to remind you or tell you for the first time about uh, three things. So I want to tell you about our purpose. I want to tell you about our identity. I want to tell you about our mission. So we have three things before us. Our purpose, our identity, and Our mission. So our purpose. The, the very first thing Mark does after saying the gospel is all about Jesus is that he tells us about a, a man named John whose entire existence, his whole purpose in life, is to point, like the spotlight, to point to Jesus. That is his purpose. Um, he even dressed really weird, right? He wore weird clothes, um, he had a very weird diet, right? Locusts and wild honey. And even, even his, 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 his dress and his diet uh, was pointing to Jesus. Uh, his dress and his diet was actually um, very, very similar uh, to uh, an old prophet in the Old Testament uh, named Elijah. So he actually had the same dress and diet, who, who told of the coming of, of the Messiah, who prophesied of that. And so that's why John was born. That was his purpose, to tell others to repent and get ready for the gospel. So uh, verse two, as it's written in Isaiah, the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, has anybody seen The Greatest Showman? Yes. All right. There's some cool people here. Not everybody's cool yet. Come on. You got to see that movie. It's with Hugh Jackman. Yes. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman's coming to San Diego uh, in July, I think. Yeah. Oh, come on, Jeff. (laughs) It's exciting. Uh, So The Greatest Showman. Wonderful uh, uh, film. um, Very exceptional. Uh, Where was it going with this? Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) um, So uh, I'm glad a lot of people have seen it. Uh, But but the movie starts out, uh, our kids love to dance to this song. Uh, It starts out with a song um, that is just awesome. It's like, whoa, boom. Doom, doom, doom. there's like a growl of a lion, you know, and sorry, I'm singing again. We're not in Song of Solomon anymore. It's a new year. Hey, maybe I have a better voice. Um, ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. And then, come on, whoa. You guys want to whoa with me? Whoa. Boom, 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 boom. Been searching in the dark, your sweat soaking through the floor. And then, come on, do do one more whoa. There we go. See, everyone's as good as me. Uh, and buried in your bones, there's an ache you can't ignore. Taking your breath, stealing your mind. All that's real is left behind, right? He goes, Hugh Jackman is the only one who can do that. I mean, Panic of the Disco tried. They can't do it. Um, so, but the, the feeling you get while watching that, right, the opening act, essentially, it's so dramatic. It's so your heart is racing and pounding with excitement. You're thrilled. Um, that, that, that very feeling, I think, is what Mark wants us to feel. He just jumps right in, right? The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, boom, it's just like, here we go. Like, get ready for this. This is a super, super exciting. Um, it's so different from uh, some of the other gospels, right? So the of, of, uh, gospel of Matthew, the uh, gospel of Luke, how do they start? They start with these, like, long genealogies, right, which is kind of boring. I mean, it's exciting because there's so much in it, and we can unpack it, and there's a point. But it's not as dramatic. It's not as climactic. It's not action-oriented like Mark is. Um, he, he he starts. Mark starts his gospel, pulling the curtains back to the greatest show in history, the greatest show of the greatest showman, Jesus, that you'll ever see and you could ever hear of, because God's kingdom was coming, and so that's why Mark quotes. Uh, he quotes from two Old Testament passages at the same time. He's quoting from Isaiah and then Malachi three, and we uh, heard Malachi three at the end of the year, um, but. But he's he's quoting both of these um, to say to reiterate God's promise is unfolding. It's happening now. This great act is happening. It's on stage, world stage, world history, and 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 the person to to sound the alarms and and raise the attention of this is uh, a man named John, who we might know as maybe John the Baptist um, or or John the Baptizer, uh, because he wasn't really like John the Baptist. Like that wasn't his last name or something, right? Uh, He was just he's known for that because he was baptizing. Um, so, verse verse four. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him, were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, wore a leather belt around his waist, and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John preached for months uh, that people needed to repent, uh, which just means uh, turning away from their sin uh, and and to get ready for this gospel. Uh, He was announcing that God's kingdom, uh, God's reign was coming. And he preached that this Jesus, who is mightier than I, is the one who's going to bring in this kingdom. And the point is, John's purpose is to point everybody to Jesus. That's, that's the reason he exists. That, that, that he's to tell everybody about the king of this kingdom. He stands as, as uh, uh, in a long history of, of prophets, uh, and he's now the last Old Testament prophet, announcing that the time's now, the king has come, um, the king who's going to set his people free is arriving. Now, like John, our purpose in life is to point everybody to Jesus. That is our purpose in life, too. Uh, we're to look to Jesus ourselves, and, and we're to point other people to Jesus. That is our purpose, to point people to Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian, to be a little Christ uh, who tells others about the bigger Christ, Jesus. Um, when is the last time that you shared the gospel with someone? Uh, when's the last time you, were, you, you shared the gospel with someone that you know, somebody who was in need, who needed to hear the good news? Um, if you're a member of Redemption, I want to encourage every, everyone. I wanna, I'm encouraging myself this year. It's a new year, right? New time. Who is it in your life that you can pray about right now? Who you can start to pray about that you, that you can be able to share the gospel with them? Think of someone. Start praying for them. Every day, just start praying for them. You don't have to talk to them yet about it. You don't have to bring it up yet. But just start praying that that there will be opportunities for you to share the gospel. Um, Our purpose is to share the gospel. Uh, It was John's purpose in life, and it's to be ours, to share the gospel with others around us. That's the first thing. The second is this, our identity. So let's look at our our identity. Um, It's no small thing that verse 1 said Jesus was the Son of God. Um, Because that's a a widely known title that that stands for, that points to Israel's king. Um, Way back since Israel was um, rescued from Egypt, uh, God used the word son to describe his relationship to the nation of Israel. So he used the word son. Israel was God's son. Um, And then later with King David, uh, who's also called God's son, he he sat on the throne. He was uh, a king of Israel. Um, he was uh, called God's son. But, but when he was, God promised him something. Um, this is in Second Samuel 7. God promised that he would send uh, a, a royal son um, who would one day represent Israel better than King David had and better than all, any other king would. Um, and, and that's pointing to Jesus. Who would do that for Israel? And again, it's no small thing that this comes, uh, that what, what comes next is a description of Jesus' baptism, where again we're met with this claim that Jesus is God's beloved Son. So look with me at verse 9. Um, verse 9 we see In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Verse 10, and when, when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. Man, I can't imagine what that was like. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. That voice says. So Jesus was baptized. And um, man, maybe uh, if you're like a little geeky or whatever, your, your theological flags are going off like, Whoa, man, why, is, why didn't he be baptized? He didn't have sin. right? So you're like a little bit curious. Like, what's going on with this whole thing? Um, you might have a hard time with it. Why would Jesus need to be baptized if he had no sin? Um, And, you know, we understand baptisms for the washing of sin. Uh, uh, In John's day, baptism signified, it it stood for um, uh, a baptism of repentance, an act of turning from sin. Well, Jesus didn't have any sin, so why would he be turning from sin? So, you know, you're you're in this theological conundrum, and you're wondering, oh, what's going on? I don't get this. Well, doesn't it make a lot more sense um, if we understand his baptism in light of him being the king? over a people, um, the representative of an an entire people, I think that makes a lot more sense, right? Uh, That Jesus uh, wasn't baptized for himself. He was baptized representing others. He was baptized for others. Um, And even in this beginning act, right, we see that Jesus is already acting as a substitute. Jesus is already acting in taking the place of another. That's what I mean by substitute. That he's telling us that he's come to take the place of Israel, his people. From the moment of his baptism, he's entering this official public office as king over Israel, where he's, he's come to lead his people from sin and from death. And now all, all these Jews, um, you know, we're coming from, from, it says, from Galilee and from all of Jerusalem. They're coming out to be baptized in this great pool of water, the River Jordan. And they're all coming in, and they're, and they're, being, they're repenting, right? Uh, and they're being baptized, uh, turning from their sins. And with every baptism, it's as if their sins are being poured out into the very water that Jesus was going to stand in. Um, that he was going to stand in. That their king came to stand in the water himself. Jesus came to take their sins. Every last drop of sin upon himself. And so he enters into that great office of being the great high priest even, who takes away... The sin to cleanse. Of course, he'd, he'd accomplish this not right now, not yet in this story. Uh, later we'll see, right, in his ministry when he, he comes to hang on the cross. That's when that will ultimately happen, where his body and blood will be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so, so notice all this language is tied to baptism. Um, our baptism follows not repentance, but being Baptized into the very death of Jesus Christ, right? Where this gospel's is heading. Uh, every Christian follows Jesus in this when we get baptized. Baptism's a statement about what God has done for us, not what we're doing for God. And I, wanna, I want you to notice this. Uh, Jesus rises, rises up from the water. What does God say about him? There's three things I want to point out. Uh, first, he says, the heavens are, are, are torn open. The heavens are torn open, which... Uh, a little bit later in Mark, the next time that happens is going to be at the death of Jesus on the cross. The heavens are literally torn open again. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, the second thing is the Holy Spirit descends on him, it says, like a dove. Um, we think you know a doves a little, uh, almost like what you pull out of a hat, you know, the magician, the little dove. Um, but, but by using this word, there's so much imagery involved. And if we're really familiar with the Bible, and if we knew the Old Testament, we'd be thinking of at least three passages. We'd be thinking of um, going back to uh, the book of Isaiah, a bunch of of stuff in there, actually, that that would be similar. uh, have this kind of dove bird language. Uh, Another big one would be Psalm 2, um, Messianic Psalm, pointing to Jesus. Uh, But another thing that would would kind of sound sound the alarms in our heads uh, would be uh, this old story with... ...Abraham and his son Isaac. That's in Genesis chapter 22. And in that story... ...it was about... um, ...God telling Abraham... ...to to give up his only son... ...Isaac... ...to sacrifice him, right? And there was that ram provided in the thicket... ...a substitute provided... ...in his place. And so his son didn't have to die. Um, But it was pointing... right ...to this, this greater story... ...of Jesus coming to be the substitute... And then um, the, the third, uh, uh, whoa, I jumped ahead, didn't I? Yep. Wow. Sorry about that. Back to the dove. <laughs> wow, I'm just really excited about this, okay? So um, <laughs> the dove, Not. don't think about Isaac with the dove. Whoops. So, so, so the dove, um, the dove imagery that we get, comes from the very, very beginning of the Bible. Uh, when we're thinking about what, what happened, Genesis 1, verse 2, there's the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the deep, hovering over water, right? So Jesus' baptism, this dove hovering, right? That, this language, is, it's this bird word that is to signal, that's to call us back to that very beginning that should remind us of new creation, that God is up to something brand new. This is the beginning of the gospel about Jesus. God is up to something. Um, so that, that was the second thing I wanted to point out. Sorry about the confusion. The third thing, <laughs> with God's affirming words, "This is my beloved son. You are my beloved son. With with you, I am well pleased." Those are the words that I mentioned all those Old Testament passages. That's what I want you to think of the story of Isaac and his, um, of Abraham and Isaac. That's 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 capturing all that imagery about the substitute, about Jesus, and all of that to say. God the Father approves of this son, of, of his title, of his identity, of the purpose, the mission that he's came here to do. Um, i just say this. With all of my interactions with my, uh, all three of my kids so far, um, that, is like, that is the one thing, man, they, they crave more than anything else, is to have daddy's approval. To have dad say, you know, I love you. To have dad say, I noticed you, Right? It's like, dad, 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 check out my bike. Like, look what I'm doing. Woo, I'm like hanging upside down now. Like, woo, check me out. You know, it's like, that's super dangerous. But I see you. Like, that looks awesome. You know, they're, they're doing all kinds of crazy things to get my attention. If I'm focused on something else, they're like, hey, daddy, 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 daddy. You know, just everything. And they, they just want you to notice them. Um, and, I mean, as I look back on my life, too, like, that's, that's what I've always wanted, too. I want, I want my dad to, to say, you know, I love you, son notice, hey, you're doing great. You know, that we, we crave that. Of course, uh, a lot of us have never heard that approving word from our fathers. A lot of us have never experienced that. Maybe, we, maybe dad was never around, or maybe dad didn't, uh, wasn't alive, or maybe we never knew him. Uh, maybe Daddy was too busy. Maybe he didn't pay much attention. Maybe instead of approval, we were met with bitter rejection, or, or just bitterness. Um, that, that we have a bad relationship with our dads. And I I'm going to tell you something that is going to sound very impossible to hear, be very hard to hear too, if that has been in your experience with your early, earthly dad. Um, but if anybody comes to Christ, God says of you what He said directly to His Son at His baptism: "You are My Son; you are My daughter, and with you I am well pleased." That's that announcement that God says of us. That all that approval, all that want of dad's notice, and dad's affection, and dad's love, dad's attention, dad's approval, is already ours in Jesus. Man, that's good news. (laughs) I don't need to earn that approval, it's been given to me. God can do that because he sees us not as we are in ourselves, but as we are in Jesus. He sees the obedience of Jesus in our place, substitute. He sees the death of Jesus in our place, substitute. It's not a fiction. It's real. Um, And that's our identity through Jesus in the gospel. It's the identity that God announces on us when we're baptized for the first time. God says, you're mine. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought of your baptism like that. Uh, Maybe maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But I encourage you to look back to your baptism if you've been baptized. Remember that you are His, always. Um, And if you've never been baptized, you don't even know what baptism is other than it has to do with water, I invite you to be baptized and believe. Who wouldn't want the Father's approval? Third, our our mission, I'm going to close with this, Um, Right after this wonderful news is declared, who Jesus is and what he came here to do, Mark just thrusts right ahead um, and advances into the next thing. I think one thing we're going to really see uh, in the next coming weeks is that the gospel of Mark is a gospel that is for crazy, busy people. (laughs) It just gets to it. It's like, let's get down to business. Um, It's a gospel of action. It's a gospel that tells us that God is active in history. That God is actively working to save his people. Um, and so, so um, this God who acts, uh, we see um, verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, verse 13. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Okay, so the, the same Spirit who had just descended upon Jesus like a dove now sends Jesus out into the wilderness. Is that significant at all, that he goes into a wilderness? What do you think? Yay, nay? I see some head nods. Come on. Yes. It's, be certain about it. This is the new year. You can, you're not wrong yet much, right? It's a brand new year. You haven't failed at your new routine or goal or whatever. So, um, yeah. Okay. So... Um, uh, so the wilderness, so if we 're familiar with the Old Testament, uh, you remember the the wilderness is a significant place right it 's imbued with so much importance, um, so maybe you might go back and think of Israel. they were led out of Egypt, and then well it wasn 't all great yet because they were what led into where a wilderness right for what? how long anybody know forty what forty years, whoa, forty years he uh, just said 40 days. So there's significance there, right? 40 days, 40 years. Like, Jesus is this Israel in the wilderness. Like, we're seeing that imagery come up. Whoa, that's cool. Um, so we might be thinking about that. And, by the way, if you haven't read that ever uh, anywhere, I'm sure you've seen the Ten Commandments with Charleston, Charleston Heston, right? Some people, right? That old Ten Commandments movie. Okay. So, I mean, there's some, like, narrative of, oh, we might understand a little bit about that story. Um, but, 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 I think that Mark wants us to go even further back in Israel's history, further back before there was an Israel, uh, further back at the very beginning, right? Because it's a gospel about beginnings, of uh, uh, to to Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, uh, when they they sinned against God, what had happened to them? They were cast out of a nice place called Eden into where? What kind of place? Was it a good place? Was it great? They were thrown out into what kind of landscape? El Centro, somebody said. Ouch. The wilderness. Yeah, exactly. You just keep driving east, keep going. Um, That's kind of mean. All right. I didn't say it, though. Somebody else did. Um, So it's taking us to the wilderness, the desert, where Jesus stands as this, uh, this new, second, better Adam who is in the wilderness, right, uh, didn't start out in this nice, fancy, perfect garden, but comes in the very place that Adam and Eve were thrown out, cast out in the wilderness, into the desert, to do the very thing that Adam should have done. To do the very thing that Adam failed to do, Jesus is going to succeed at. That's what all of that is pointing us to. That's what all of it wants it wants us to see this, right? So, so Mark says in, in verse 13, he was with the wild animals. Um, as if, Think about that Genesis story, right? Adam was supposed to exercise dominion over the animals. He failed in that. Now the animals are running wild. They're dangerous species out there in the wilderness, right? It's not a safe place. The world's a broken place. The world's messy. Um, And this broken place is exactly what Jesus has entered into to redeem, to save, to restore the broken, to heal the sick, the downcast, to help the hurting. And verse 13 ends, the angels were ministering to him. Uh, That tells us that even though this task was going to be difficult and so hard and dangerous, that he already had the Father's approval. And not just the Father's approval, but the Father's protection, right? The angels were ministering to him in the midst of the agony. So our mission is not the same mission as Jesus. Jesus' mission was complete. He accomplished his mission perfectly. Our mission, though, is to take that good news of what Jesus has done... And take that out to the whole world. Matthew 28 does a great job summarizing the Great Commission. I encourage you to read that. Um, so to tell the whole world about Jesus is our mission. Uh, we're to teach that. We're to baptize. And, and, and like Jesus, though, we're going to face temptations. Like Jesus, we're going to have our own wilderness experiences. they will vary, but we'll have them. We will, though, like Jesus, face difficulties with wild beasts and Satan himself. But you see, like Jesus, because of Jesus, in Jesus, through Jesus, when we are in those, we already have the Father's approval. We already have his approval. And so even though the mission seems impossible and frightening and dangerous at times in places that we go to share Christ, we always have God with us not against us. We don't serve this God who's a tyrant or a bully or an abuser or an absentee father or a derelict father. We have a father who will never leave nor forsake. A father who is always going to be with. And a father who will protect us as he protected his son Jesus in the wilderness with angels ministering to him. So with that news, we are fully equipped to go even to El Centro, where no man has gone before. Maybe you should go. With the good news, ready to go to you know Scripps and, 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 and PQ and Escondido and North Park and Carmel Valley and wherever it is that God sends us and has us to be. With this good news, this announcement, that God is for us, not against us, that God is with us and will never leave us in His Son, Jesus. You have His approval, the Father's approval. So will you help me? Will you help others all around the world who are sharing this gospel together to make Jesus known? Do you want that this year? Make that a goal this year. Let's pray.